Our scripture today is Romans chapter 16. This is the last chapter in the book of Romans. It's all right to clap. We've been, we've been working through Romans. Um, can you hear me okay? Can you hear me okay? Um, we've been working through Romans over the last year, and we are now entering the last chapter, which is quite a milestone for us. So if you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to open it up. I am going to be putting it on the screen today, hopefully. Um, and But it's always good to have it right in front of you. It's always good to have the Word right in front of you. So if you got it on your phone or your book analog version, pull it out. We're going to be looking at the first 13 uh, verses, first 16 verses of Romans 16. And I want to preface this before I begin reading to say this. Sometimes when you're reading through the scripture, you come across a list of names. And it can be, if you're like me, it can be very easy to just go, oh, I can just skip over this part. Let me just get to the good stuff, you know, after the long list of names. Well, that's what today's scripture is, okay? Today's scripture is a long list of names. But we're not going to skip it. Because God has something to say to us even here in this list of names. Romans 16, verse 1. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church of Centria, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever way she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Epinatus, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Greet Am- I knew I was going to have trouble with one of these. Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachys. Greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsmen, Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphena and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philogelus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Sorry, I forgot I didn't put in the last three verses there. So you had to, See, I told you, you've got to follow along. If you follow along, then you're good, right? Now, why are we reading this long list of names? This greeting contains the personal names of 28 people, including Rufus's mother and Nereus's sister, who are unnamed. But I'm counting them because they're in there. 28 individuals who are part of the church in Rome. 
you know, you really get the feeling that Paul truly loves these people. I hope that you felt that as I was reading through, that he really loves these people. Because he's had a privilege to get to know many of them, if not all of them, throughout his travels across the world, his missionary journeys. And now all of these people that he knows are living in Rome. But Paul has never been to Rome. Remember, he hasn't actually made it to Rome. If you remember last week, he wants to go to Rome, but he hasn't made it there yet. Some of these people, you can tell, are deeply connected with Paul. He's he's worked with them. He's ministered the gospel alongside of them. He's, He's even gone to jail with some of them. He's eaten meals with them. He's laughed with them. He's cried with them. He trusts them with his life. These are not just associates. These are not just friends. Because what this Scripture reveals to us is one key truth, and it's right there. We are family. We are family. You see, Paul demonstrates in these Scriptures that that he loves this group of people. Notice his use of intimate language to describe his spiritual family. And I put these on the screen for you. He says, our sister, Phoebe, my beloved, Apennaeus, Ampliatus, my beloved, Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen, my beloved, Stachys, the family of Narcissus, Rufus's mother, who has been, what, like a mother to me as well. Nereus and his sister, Hermas and the brothers, greet one another with a holy kiss. That's how he ends it, right? Why? Because we are family. He says the church is family. And so he uses this intimate language of beloved and brother and sister and mother to describe this reality that is the church of Christ. And this greeting at the end of the book of Romans is not just tacked on to this theological letter, but this greeting is the Word of God. And so we need to hear God's voice speaking even through this greeting and this list of names. Because God had a message for the church in Rome. And God has a message for the church in Orangeburg. And the message is this. We are family. We are brothers and sisters. We are beloved to one another. We are fathers and mothers to one another. We have been brought, all of us, by faith into the family of God. And this truth is so important today. This truth that we are family is so important today because people are searching for identity. In our world today, and you and I, we are searching for identity. This week, Laurie and I had uh, a little time, or was it last week? I think it must have been last week, or maybe it was earlier in the week, because this week was crazy. (laughs) But earlier in the week, I think we had some time, and we watched episode one of a new documentary on Netflix called High on the Hog. 
And this is a screenshot from a screen grab from that documentary. It is a story uh, uh, hosted by Stephen Satterfield as he traces the roots of African American cuisine all the way back to West Africa. And so the first episode, he's in West Africa with the people of West Africa learning about the cuisine of West Africa. Going all the way back, tracing the food of today that we all enjoy, much of which is we consider American food, all the way back to West Africa. And in the first episode, you realize that it is about much more than food and flavor. You realize that it is about the human search for identity. That it's about the connection that we need as human beings to something, somewhere, somehow. Stephen, in the first episode, finds a warm embrace in his native land. He finds a warm embrace, and I love his expression of it in that first episode. I hope you, I hope you have a chance to watch it. As a black man who grew up in Georgia, he instantly connected to the paths and the patterns and the cultural expressions of his African cousins. He, he, he described it in a word, swagger. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, that's it. That's it right there. That connection, that family connection. And as Stephen, the, the host, as he experiences the people and the places and the food of Africa, he finds a piece of his own identity that was stripped away by the evils of slavery. And yet, that's not what he really focuses on. What he really focuses on is the resiliency, the creativity, and the ingenuity that produced the beauty of what we know as blackness. And it's very beautifully portrayed. I mean, you'll cry just watching it. People are searching for identity. And family and culture are important facets of our identity. They are important facets of who we are. Our history, our family, our story, even the geography and the places from which we came are all important parts of our identity. Even the Apostle Paul in this letter, he's talked about his longing for his brothers according to the flesh. He's talked about his desire for his brothers according to the flesh to come to faith. Because he knows that those identities in this life do not last forever. And that they are only partial identities. They are not the core of who we really are created to be. As beautiful as our cultural identities are, they are not the core. Do you remember that time when Jesus made it plain? It was in Matthew chapter 12. While Jesus was still speaking to the people, the scripture says, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. Can you imagine? You're up here, you're starting your new ministry, you're the son of God, you're, you're healing people, you're doing your work, and your mom is standing outside. 
and your brothers. I would drop everything and go and see what she needs. My mom's sitting right here. So I have to say that. I, I would drop everything and I would go outside and see what she needs. But, but listen to the, what Jesus says. He replied to the man who told him that they were waiting for him. He said this. He said, who is my mother? And who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. That, that may seem harsh, right? It, it may seem harsh at first until we look at it with an eternal perspective. And we see that what Jesus is pointing out is that this family is the eternal family. We pray to God that our physical family would be our eternal family. We pray, just like the Apostle Paul did, that they would come to faith in Christ. We weep for them. But God says, this is our mother and our brothers and our sisters and our fathers. Right here in the household and the family of God. And listen, as in a world that is increasingly tribal and segregated... This gospel, good news, truth that we are family right here should impact everything. It should change everything about how we look at life, about how we look at our own families, about how we look at our time and our money and everything. Because God says to us, we are family. Church is not a thing we do on Sunday. Let me say it again. Church is not a thing we do on Sunday. It's who we are. The family of God. Church is not an optional activity for our kids. Church is not down the list of priorities. Why? Because church is family. We are family. And so we should cultivate this intimacy. Brothers and sisters... And when I say brothers and sisters, I mean it. We should cultivate this intimacy with one another, right? We should reach out to one another and love one another. We should spend time together outside of Sunday morning. Not just with the people who you are naturally inclined toward, but toward the body, toward the church, toward the family. I mean, when you're having a meal, who do you... I mean, I know it's COVID still. Ah, so much of this is impacted by COVID. But when we're having a meal, who do we think to invite? People that we like? People that we know? People that we already have a connection with? Or somebody different? Somebody from our church who's maybe not connected? We are family. And not only are we family, but we are family on mission. We are family on mission. Look back with me at the scripture. Look at what it says. Pay attention to these ministry words, okay? Pay attention to what he's saying. Not only this family connection, but this missional connection. Notice what Paul and how he talks about their mission. He says this He says, Phoebe, a servant of the church. He says, When she comes, help her in whatever way she may need. He says, Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers. He says, they risk their necks for my life. That's what family does. 
He says, Epinatus, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. He says, Mary, who has worked hard for you. Andronicus and Junia, who were well known to the apostles. Urbanus, our fellow worker. Persis, who has worked hard for the Lord. Do you see the ministry language in there? Do you see the the missional language in there? This is a family on mission together. Not just a family sitting back enjoying Thanksgiving dinner with sweet potato pie and everything that goes along with it. No, this is a family that doesn't just eat together, although we love to eat together, praise God. Can I get an amen? But we serve together. We work together. We love our community together. And man, we've seen it this week already. I mean, I've seen it this week. I've seen you working together, serving our community together. Praise God. We are a family on mission. And they're on mission specifically doing the work of making disciples of Jesus Christ. And this work involves engaging those outside the family. Right? If we only minister inside the family, then we're not doing our job. Christ calls us to go to the nations. Which means to go to our neighbors, to go to those who don't know because they need to know about the love of Jesus, the unconditional love of Jesus. They need to know about the forgiveness of sins. See, this world is cruel. I mean, who, who wants to get canceled? And so we tiptoe around one another in life because we don't want to get canceled. But that's not the way God created life to be. We're not supposed to cancel one another. We're supposed to forgive one another. We're supposed to love one another. What did, this, what did the song say at the beginning of the service? I love because He first loved me. That's the message of the Gospel. We love because He first loved us. And look, the, God's telling us sometimes the work is dangerous. Right? Sometimes the work is dangerous. Sometimes we go to jail together. That's in the scripture today, by the way. Sometimes we go to jail together. And this work is not only hard work, it's heart work. It's not only hard work, it's heart work. Look at Epinatus. Epinatus was the first convert in Asia. I mean, this is groundbreaking stuff here. This is new territory, a new group of people who don't know anything about the unconditional love of God. And Epinatus is the first one. Because this is heart work. It's about changing lives. Not just changing buildings. It's about changing people. That's what God wants to do. And this is our family business. This is our family business, proclaiming the hope of Christ to all nations. It's our family business, and it's all over the scripture this morning. As they work together, as they serve together, as they go to bat for one another. And the ministry is not just for the boys. All right, this is another part of this ministry idea. The ministry is not just for the boys. 
Sometimes if you look at the church, you might think that the ministry is just for the boys, right? Because of who might be up front preaching, okay? But as we look at the scripture, women are not only included in the list that Paul describes as his ministry partners, but women are actually highlighted in this list. They are. They are highlighted in this list. Look, Paul begins his greeting by commending Phoebe, who is a sister, a ministry partner, who likely actually carried this letter to Rome. And that's why he's commending her. He's commending her because most likely uh, uh, scholars think that Phoebe was a businesswoman who was traveling And she was traveling to Rome, and so she carried the letter to Rome. And he had to commend her to the Roman church because they didn't know who she was. And so Paul had to say, she's legit. In fact, she has blessed me personally. Right? He says that there at the beginning of verse 1 or verse 2. She was a trusted ministry leader. And she was worthy of the Apostle Paul's highest recommendation. She would need this recommendation. Because people were constantly trying to sneak into the church and stir up trouble. And so they had to know that she was legit. They had to know that she was a true believer. So she had a reference. Right here in chapter 16 at the beginning of this. A reference. Phoebe is legit. She's a real sister. She's a real servant. You know, in Greco-Roman society, back in the day, in the context, and like most cultures throughout history, women have been devalued and have been even oppressed. And in this original context, in the Greco-Roman culture of the day, it would have been unheard of to have a woman's name even mentioned in a list of fellow workers. Wouldn't have even been mentioned. And Paul is highlighting and giving, giving this leadership to Phoebe and saying, take the letter. I'm entrusting you with it. We are entrusting you with it. Take it and, and go to Rome. It is significant that such an important position was held by a woman. It's, it was significant in the culture in that day. And I think it's significant to us today. For us to see how women in ministry are vital. And so what does this mean for us? It means that the work of making disciples, the work of ministry, does not belong to the pastors and elders alone. That the work of ministry belongs to every family member. That the work of ministry belongs to every family member. You have a vital role to play in bringing this gospel message of hope to all nations. And so as a church, we should strive to utilize the gifting of every member. Young, old, whatever your background, male, female. We should strive, especially from the word today, to empower and to deploy women in ministry. We should be striving to do that. And the denomination that our church is birthed out of and is a part of, 
seeks to be faithful to the biblical roles of men and women. We're seeking to be faithful to the biblical roles of men and women in ministry and in the church. But I have to say that this good desire to be faithful to the Scripture has at times unfortunately morphed into church cultures that actually end up downplaying women. That actually end up minimizing women. And I know you guys have seen it. I know you've seen it in different places. And God says, this should never be. This should never be. And I personally have been encouraged by a new movement within our denomination, actually, the PCA, to be more faithful to God's design for men and women as true partners in ministry in the church. And so please pray for, pray for me, pray for your leaders as we seek to be faithful to, to the biblical roles of men and women and to deploy women in ministry and to find ways to do that faithfully. We are a family. We are a family on mission. And thirdly, we are a family on mission in Christ. We are a family on mission in Christ. Those last two words are a key phrase that run through this greeting, but it's easy to miss, so let's look at it. Notice, what it's, this is throughout the whole thing. It says, welcome Phoebe, how? In the Lord. Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. Andronicus and Junia were in Christ before me. Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Persis, who has worked long and hard in the Lord. All the churches of Christ greet you. Man, when I saw that, it's just everywhere in there. In Christ, in the Lord, in Christ, in the Lord, in Christ, in the Lord. This family is not just a family, and it's not just on mission, but it's in the Lord. And that really is what gives us strength, is being in the Lord. Christ Himself is our union and our bond. He is our common Lord and Savior. He is our very life. We are united to Him, the eternal Son of God. This is the mystery of faith. We are united to Him when we trust in Him. When we trust in Him, His record of good gets placed on my life so that my sin is covered up by the goodness of Jesus who's united to me in faith. And it's not just me as an individual, but it's us together, all who trust in Him, are bound together by the Holy Spirit. We are bound together by faith. And this in Christness is the glue that holds us together. This in Christness is not a culture, it's not an experience, it's not a higher knowledge, it's nothing but the person of Jesus. It's nothing but the person of Jesus who binds us together as a spiritual family. You see, we are family. Not we could be family, or we ought to be family. We are family. 
We are family. There is something definitive and permanent and everlasting about that truth. That we are family. Now, we don't always act like it. The church is a messed up place. Even this little church is a messed up place. Right? you got a messed up pastor who doesn't love you as I should. And we got messed up people who don't love one another as we should. But we've got a, a Savior who loves all of us perfectly. Fully, never failingly. Can I say that? Never failingly. We are in the Lord. God pulls together into this family a diverse group of people into one spiritual family. And I want to point out another thing. I didn't put a slide, but there are Jews and Gentiles in this list. The Jews, two of them, Aquila and Priscilla. The Gentiles, Apennatus and Hermes. That's a Gentile name if you've ever heard one. Hermes, the name of a Greek god. right? <laughs> but he's a Christian and he still goes by Hermes. Love that. God's redeeming everything. Jews and Gentiles, poor and wealthy. You have the names that were commonly used of slaves. Urbanus, Stachys. And you have names of the upper class. Aristobulus. Do you hear the word aristocracy in there? Aristobulus and Narcissus. These were wealthy people who hosted churches in their house and their homes. There are men and women, as we've already talked about. Paul's greeting reveals that the church is not to be segregated. The church is not to be divided by race or class or gender. Man, that's the beauty. When I read through this, when I read through this whole list, I just see the beauty and the shades of God's family. And I love that in our small way here, we get to experience that. In our small way here in Orangeburg at New City, we get to experience a little bit of that. Why? Because we are blood-related. We are blood-related. The blood of Jesus makes us right with God, binds us together, all who believe. The unity of the family of God is a visible picture and testimony of the Spirit's power to change lives and to change communities, to wash away sins, to make us right with God, and to establish a new people, a new humanity, freed from the penalty and the power of sin and being built up into a spiritual family. That is who we are, because that is who He has made us to be. We are family of truth and love, a family of peace, a family that opens itself to the weak and needy. We are a family that depends on God together. We're a family that prays together. We're a family that is open to those who struggle because we struggle. We are a family that empowers every member to serve. We are a family that loves the Lord with joy and hope. We are a family that tells the truth in love. We are a family that works hard. And we are a family that will last forever. 
We are a family on mission in Christ. We are a family on mission in Christ. To God be the glory. Amen. Amen. Lord, thank you for your word today. Lord, thank you for the truth that you've revealed to us that we are family and that that family reality is becoming increasingly our experience here at New City. And so God, I pray that that it would continue, that we would continue to cultivate relationships with one another, that we would continue to address our failures where we don't love one another, Lord, give us, give us repentance with one another. Give us patience with one another. Uh, Lord, if we have sinned against one another, I pray that you would give the one who has sinned against boldness to tell the other person about it. So that those fences could be rebuilt. Could be mended. Lord, I pray that you would make us into a family who is truly on mission. That we would not just be about ourselves, but that we would truly be reaching our neighbors. Even this week, Lord, as we go to the Browns, I pray that you would, that you would extend our reach into new lives. That new people would come to, to get a glimpse of the love of Christ in us. Lord, be merciful. Do that work. Lord, I pray that you would raise up the women of the church to be empowered to do ministry as they've been gifted and equipped to do. Lord, I pray that you would raise up our children to, to feel like they are a true member of the family. Not just a nuisance. <laughs> Not a nuisance. But that they are really a part of the family. Lord, I pray that as kids grow up in this church, they would never feel like they're overlooked, but that they're loved. Lord, help us to love our children. Not just our own children, but our children as a church, as a family, as a spiritual family. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for this long list of names and all of the truth and the goodness and the grace that comes out of it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.